0: Hi, I'm Kate Meisner. Welcome back to the Trustcast, an Edelman podcast. Our trust barometer tells us that trust has become local. Each of us trusts our employers and our community leaders more than we trust business leaders, national elected officials, and in some cases, our religious leaders. This comes against a backdrop of a pandemic that's ravaged our cities and communities, leaving local leaders at the forefront of the journey back from COVID-19. To discuss the future of America's cities and how local leaders can build trusted communities, our own Andrea Hagelgans, head of New York Corporate and Public Affairs, sat down with Mayor Stephen Fulop of Jersey City, New Jersey. Give it a listen. Hi there, I'm Andrea Hagelgans, managing director of Edelman's Corporate and Public Affairs practice in New York City, and you're listening to the Trustcast, an Edelman podcast. The pandemic has caused some to question the future of cities. Many of those who could afford to leave cities in the spring did so, and that highlighted income inequality in our country. And as the future of work itself changes with more companies allowing remote working and many shunning vertical living, what comes next? This poses the important question of, what is the future of cities? To discuss this, we brought in Mayor Steve Phillip, Mayor of Jersey City, New Jersey, also known as the most diverse city in the nation and the soon-to-be largest city in New Jersey. Mayor Phillip entered his time in office in 2013, and since then he's done a lot to advance his city, from expanding affordable housing to creating roughly 10,000 jobs to advocating for paid sick leave legislation. Before his time in office, Mayor Phillip served in the U.S. Marine Corps, then joined investment banking firm Goldman Sachs, and later became the councilman representing downtown Jersey City. Welcome, Mayor Phillip. We're happy to have you join us.
1: Hey, thank you, Andrea, for having me.
0: Let's start with the current situation. How has the pandemic affected Jersey City? Have you seen people leave?
1: Um, Yeah, the short answer is that it's affected us like uh, every other city across the country where it's devastated our municipal budget. You're seeing uh, a personal uh, human tragedy unfold in many families. Um, We're a large city, but we're also kind of small enough that there's a lot of familiarity between um, families that have grown up here and uh, it's touched, you know, nearly every corner of the city on that front. Um, And, you know, we're seeing that the people that have the means to move and leave, uh, some of them are taking advantage of that and fleeing, which is like a long-term concern for the city.
0: Of course. You know, I'm based in New York City. What, um, you know, one of the things we're talking about most is restaurants and local companies. Is this something that you're also grappling with? And what are you thinking about when you look at policy solutions?
1: Yeah, I mean, Jersey City was the first in New Jersey. We were before New York. We were one of the first in the country to implement any sort of curfews when the pandemic started. So we were very, very aggressive when we saw this coming. Um, later in the pandemic, I think uh, New Jersey and Jersey City has been less restrictive than places like New York or places like LA. And, and, and that's been very intentional because conversations with these businesses, uh, we recognize that you know they're barely hanging on and every decision that we make has implications beyond just that day or week where the likelihood of survival, even as it is today, with minimal restrictions is very, very small. So, um, you know, we've tried to be flexible. We recognize that if people are gonna come back to places like Jersey City, uh, restaurants, culture, art, um, are gonna be the reasons why people make that choice ultimately.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's been heartbreaking to watch all over the tri-state area. Yeah,
1: for sure, really difficult.
0: Do you see things getting better? I mean, we're almost a year in now. Uh, Certainly, it felt like it ebbed and flowed a little bit, and the numbers are starting to look better as more people are getting vaccinated. I know in part thanks to your efforts to get people vaccinated in New Jersey. Do you think things are getting better?
1: I mean— I think the data says that it is getting better. I mean, we were seeing 25% reductions in all of the big metrics that we track on on the vaccine, which is positive. Um, When you talk about the health of the city long-term, it's gonna take a while though for that to turn back to where it was before. Um, We still see kind of the commercial buildings uh, along the waterfront, largely vacant. um, And most of those employers are not calling those people back to work. Um, there's probably going to be some sort of hybrid model long-term. And then um, we have issues with and concerns around the smaller businesses and the restaurants that, you know, just because the COVID metrics are changing doesn't necessarily mean that kind of the backbone of the city economically is changing yet. So it's a concern of ours and we're monitoring it real closely.
0: Are you in conversation with other mayors around the country to sort of think through new innovations and policy and how to confront this?
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we there, there's a good network of mayors um, based on, you know, National League of Municipalities and U.S. Conference of Mayors. Um, and there's smaller networks just based on kind of my experiences involved with like things like the World Economic Forum and the Aspen Institute um, that have been helpful. So I do talk to the mayors quite frequently. Um there's a lot of different approaches that people are talking about with regards to attracting people back to their cities. So there's no kind of common thread between everybody other than the fact that people are concerned and they're trying to figure out what the best way to attract people to want to be back in their cities is long-term.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I have to imagine that this is also a conversation you must be having with the Biden administration as well. Um, And, you know, have there been discussions about, the future of cities that you've been a part of?
1: Um, You know, our conversations are more advocacy to the U.S. Conference of Mayors because they have the biggest voice ultimately at the federal level with regards to pushing legislation specifically for municipalities. Um, And then we have a good relationship with our U.S. senators, our congresspeople. Um, Our biggest concern and hope is that as we get more relief programs that actually pass through Congress, that they do have dollars allocated specifically for municipalities like Jersey City. The CARES Act was tremendously helpful for us. Um, We had access to dollars that made a difference in our budget in 2020. Um, The budget isn't better uh, in 2021, and we definitely need the same help. And it's unclear right now whether we're going to get that, but um, we're, we're pushing as hard as we can. That's
0: great. I know cities have experienced similar downturns in the past. Obviously, yeah. uh, New York is known for the financial crisis in the 70s. Um, then everyone experienced 2008. Um, but large cities have since then made a comeback. Do you see that sort of that comeback scenario here? Or, you know, what what do you see as the future um, in terms yeah. of a vibrant city?
1: So let, let, let me start by saying that Uh, this downturn is more significant than uh, anyone in recent memory, anyone that I've experienced. And when you talk to people that were um, part of the 70s, 80s, and 90s, each having their own challenges, um, this one is more severe. And the reason is like if you compare it even to the financial crisis in 2008, um, that was a sharp decline and a sharp re- rebound. And you didn't see the same vacancy rates that you're seeing in residential housing and urban areas that you're seeing now. This has been a prolonged, uh, long, long process over the last uh, year and a half. Uh, no real solution in place how it's going to recover and you're seeing uh, you know occupancy rates that traditionally were close to 99% in places like Jersey City downtown, um, now hovering around the low 80s. And uh, the landlords are offering huge subsidies that takes really their financials down to the mid 70s. And that's very, very different than anything we've seen in the past. So then it leads you to the question on how are you gonna recover and get people back here to places like Jersey City and like New York? And our bet ultimately is that people are still going to want to live in places that embrace art, culture, and have a very, very vibrant restaurant and nightlife scene. That people want to be close to those regardless of uh, challenges on the macro level. And, and that's going to be the best mousetrap to get people back into places like Jersey City.
0: That's great. You know, I imagine a lot of that is built on trust, trust in your local officials as well. And, you know, our Edelman's Trust Report this past spring, you know, government was the most trusted it had been in years. Now, though, we're seeing that there's been a decline in trust. um, And in fact, government had one of the biggest losses of all other institutions. What do you make of this? And in your opinion, what can government do to gain trust back?
1: You know, I think surveys like that are a little bit tricky because it's similar to what you see uh, with surveys around congressional approval, where people, you know, hate Congress overall, but they like their uh, respective Congressperson or their respective senator. Um, it's very much like that, I think, on the local level. But I do appreciate the fact that there is a great deal of skepticism, nevertheless, with regards to government on all levels, um, as you see more and more inequality and income gaps and you see and read about the uh, disproportionate impact that COVID has had on different communities and different demographics, it just breeds distrust and resentment towards the system as a whole. And um, it's going to be a long road to regain that uh, trust. And I think that it's really, really important that the federal government and local government focuses on things to bridge that income gap ultimately. And that's job training, that's affordable housing, that's more social programs. Um, Because absent of that, you're going to see this gap widen, which will ultimately lead to larger problems long term.
0: Have you changed your management style over the course of the year to build that trust?
1: Well, I think that I, I trust my directors and, and reports more uh, with their decisions than I did uh, prior um, because the last year has tested us in a different way where uh, I think they've proven themselves uh, with resilience, with tough decisions um, in, in trying times. Prior to this, you deal with uh, challenges on the municipal government level that come in and come out daily, but nothing like close to what we've seen over the last year. And so it's changed how I interact with my direct reports, uh, what I'm less engaged with and what I'm more engaged with. And um, ultimately, I think that it's going to create a better government product for our residents because there's a better framework for teamwork within our system here.
0: Yeah, I imagine that pandemics wasn't on your list of plans when you nope. were <laughs> doing your state nope. of the city, for sure. Um, and speaking to that, when you decided to join public service, you know, you had just come out of the investment banking world. You had previously been part of the Marine Corps. You know, what brought you to public service?
1: Um So I I actually left Goldman Sachs to enlist in the Marine Corps after 9-11. So I did Goldman Sachs first and uh, it was my first job out of college. And then 9-11 happened and uh, I decided that I thought there were things that were more important than, you know, um, making money and that driving your decision making. You know, I come from a family of immigrants, a family of Holocaust survivors uh, that came here after most of my family perished in Auschwitz in uh, the Nazi concentration camps. And uh, to me, uh, I look at this country and what my family has, and there's a lot to be thankful for. I mean, we're far from perfect, but um, we're the best that's there. And uh, I know that a lot of what I have is because of the framework and what this country represents. And so um, I view public service as a way to uh, acknowledge that and as a partial payment for citizenship. And so whether that's service in the Marine Corps or uh, service on a city council or volunteering on a board, um, it kind of drives kind of who I am and why I know that I'm here because of the people before me. And that's why I do it. And, and uh, I'm thankful that the residents here have given me the opportunity to do that.
0: That's, that's really inspiring. You know, what advice do you give people that are thinking about a career? in public service.
1: Yeah, I I mean, look, I think that as young people are more engaged than ever, and it seems, in politics, which is a good thing. And more and more young people aspire to elected office, which is a good thing. Um, I think that they should recognize that the most meaningful change often happens at the local level in cities and city councils and county committee. And, and those jobs are often overlooked because people aspire to be down in Washington, which is very, very hard to get any change actually uh, implemented. So I would tell people to look at their local level because, is they could actually implement and make changes that are meaningful in people's lives. And, and change starts ultimately on that community level. And, that, and that's how you can get a better uh, city and a better state and a better country ultimately.
0: Absolutely. I'd love to, to just learn a little bit more of some of the upcoming, upcoming initiatives that you have planned. Yeah. I know you're doing some affordable rideshare services, and obviously you're working COVID vaccination. What are, what's, what are you most excited about?
1: Well, I I think that in 2021, we are going to be really focused on highlighting uh, culture and arts in the city because I know that that is going to be the best way to get people back here. Uh, In the next week, we're going to be announcing a... uh, um, a major investment in a, uh, a public uh, venue for 3,000 people or so. We have, uh, we're working towards a partnership on a major museum. We're the first in the country to start an arts trust fund to support local artists and uh, organizations that have been struggling through the pandemic. Um, and we went through a public process on that, and uh, it's being replicated now elsewhere. So I think that's going to be a focus for us. Um, and then continuing what we've done over the last couple of years on partnerships with uh, technology firms on figuring out ways to innovate uh, government here. So whether it's a, a rideshare program that competes with um, you know the public bus system, like what we've done with VIA, um, or it's um, creating the country's most robust uh, vertical farming initiative with a partnership with AeroFarm is what we're doing. Um, I think that the next year is going to have a lot of uh, interesting and exciting things in Jersey City.
0: Yeah, I think that's one of the the things that makes me most optimistic is that you know through COVID, I think we're going to see a rebirth in terms of the way in which we think about tackling these problems, and hopefully, um, it's broken down some assumptions.
1: Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I, I think that a lot of cities have taken for granted that people want to live in cities and they, they they haven't really thought about innovating on services, how they deliver those services, or what makes cities attractive. You know, So a lot of mayors and councils across the country just kind of said, you know what? People want to live in cities because it's close to work. They don't really want to commute. And that's all I need to basically do in order to make it a livable place. And that's attractive. And what we learned through COVID is that people don't have to live close to their work anymore. So cities need to really rethink about how they position themselves to be an attractive place to live and work. And so the ways you're going to do that is embracing technology, embracing innovative programs, making it so it's an equitable place to live and also investing in arts and culture and and nightlife that makes it attractive.
0: Well, I'm really excited to see all that you have planned. Um, That seems like a great optimistic point to end on. Um, Yeah. So thank you so much for spending some time with us. We really appreciate it. That's all the time we have today. And to our listeners, thank you for listening to The Trustcast, the Edelman podcast. Thank you. Thanks for listening to The Trustcast. The Trustcast is produced by Tara Zafar and Shireen Pathak. Don't forget to follow Edelman PR on Twitter and visit us on edelman.com. Thanks so much and have a great day.